0: Worthy of our adoration, isn't He? He was so good. What a joy it is to be together this morning, and uh, even though we had to leave our houses at what minus twenty, <laughs> but we get to come and celebrate His goodness over this Christmas season. And we're going to be talking a lot. You've heard over the month, about goodness and light, and um, God is so good. And we're going to be talking a lot about that this morning. How good He is, and. Uh, how great His love is, and uh, it's something that we should be able to to share. So, are you all warmed up? You're all awake? Yes, yeah, that's good. You know what? I'm going to ask you to be a little interactive this morning. If that's so, right now, the nine o'clock service did good, and you guys have had an extra two hours to wake up and extra coffee. And so what we're going to do is throughout my message, you are going to be talking about the plan of God and how it unfolds and how good he is. And so every once in a while, I might say, God is good, and I want you to say it back to me. Should we practice? Because you know what? We are Pentecostal. (laughs) So that means we get to make a little bit of noise in church, not just when we're singing. Amen amen okay so now when I was younger I used to get really grumpy when the, the pastor asked me to repeat after him it's like I would sit there with my arms no I'm not gonna do that but I don't think there's any little Sarah's here like that right no rebellious spirits we're just gonna proclaim the goodness of God so let's practice you ready God is good God is good Oh, the second one, not so good there. God is good. (laughs) Excellent, you guys. Okay, well, we're going to be looking in the book of Matthew this morning. And I know when you guys open your Bibles and look for a really inspirational um, pick-me-up word from God, you go straight to the genealogies, right? Because that's where the good stuff is. Can you pass in my water bottle, Claire? Sorry. (laughs) Thank you. In the genealogies, and um, I don't know about you, but I don't I don't tend to read those too often because they can get a bit repetitive, right? So and so begat so and so, so and so begat so and so, and on and on it goes. And you're like, why do they put all this in here? And um, but the Book of Matthew starts off the New Testament with, by listing the genealogy of Jesus. And um, lucky for you, we're not going to read through the whole genealogy this morning. God is good. You're right. Excellent. <laughs> but we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, which concludes the genealogy. And uh, so we're going to read um, 1, 17 through 25. It says, There were 14 generations from Abraham to David, and another 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and yet another 14 from the Babylonian exile to Christ. The birth of Jesus took place like this. His mother, Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before they came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, chagrined but noble, determined to take care of things quietly so Mary would not be disgraced. While he was trying to figure a way out, he had a dream. God's angel spoke in a dream. Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She will bring a son to birth, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus. God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. This would bring the prophet's embryonic sermon to full term. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son. They will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew, for God is with us. (laughs) Then Joseph woke up. He did exactly what God's angel commanded in the dream, and he married Mary. But he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. He named the baby Jesus. (laughs) Who's heard that story before? (laughs) I think we forget, though, for the people in the story, it was brand new news to them, right? (laughs) Joseph had a dream. God's angel spoke to him. And how great is it though that he woke up and immediately did what God said. (laughs) There is an obedient man. Immediately he he went and did what God asked him to do. And so we wonder why, why this big genealogy? And I think when we talk about the miracle of Jesus's birth and what makes it such a miracle, not Just because it was a virgin birth, because it was actually a miracle of God's unfolding story from the very beginning. So many things had to take place for this moment to happen. God is so miraculous in how he unfolds his plan. (laughs) I'm sorry, I have a tickle in my throat. Pray for me for a second. (laughs) Okay. It's making me cry. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go back to the beginning, um, and I find it so amazing that God is our sovereign God. So that means what He plans will happen, and. You know, he could have moved us just around like little chess pieces and just made things the way he wanted to make things. But the beautiful part of God is that he actually invites us to be a part of the story. He actually wants his plan to unfold with us and not to us. How great is that? And so his plan uh, is always coming to be but he invites us to be a part of the journey and as we look at the miraculous story leading up to Jesus's birth there are so many moments where you see people say yes God I want to be a part of your plan even though my life may get put at risk even though what I have to do might be really scary and not that nice you know what God I'm going to say yes because I trust that you are our sovereign God and that your promises will be filled. So we're going to go back to the beginning. And even actually before the beginning. Because it says in 1 Peter 1.20. That before the foundation of the world was put in place. God planned to send Jesus. How great is that? Even before he created the world. He created a way for us to be with him. Because you see God knows everything that's going to happen. And he knows by giving us freedom of choice. That we might choose Not to be with him. And even though it is his greatest desire to be with us, he gave us that freedom. He gave us that freedom because he loved us, and he didn't want slaves. He wanted lovers and friends, and so he gave us a choice, and so he created the world, and in Genesis, it says that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. Can you picture that? Right at the beginning, Adam and Eve, um, before sin entered the world, every day God would come and take a walk with them. Have you ever wondered what they talked about? It wasn't been about the weather, because I, I don't think it was raining yet. That didn't happen until later, right? But they had these long walks with God, talking with him, being together. And it was a joy for Adam and Eve, but it was also a joy for God to be with him. It is his plan to be with us. And all through the Old Testament, we see God promising to be with us. He drops hints and prophetic words through his people showing us that salvation is coming and that he has made a way for us to be with him. He's always singing us a love song, asking us to choose him. And you know, when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, what they were doing was choosing a life without God. And they were saying, we can do this without him. And we now know, looking at that story, that there is no life without God. There is no life. But they made that choice. And right after um, right away, God gives us a hint of his plan. Right away, he's speaking prophetically. And he says to the serpent in Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. This was a prophecy about Jesus coming and how he was going to stomp on Satan's head. How great is that? Right at the very beginning, even though we chose to leave him, He right away proclaimed a way for us to come to him because he wants to be with us. And then we move ahead into Genesis chapter 12, and God declares to Abraham that through his barren wife, Sarah, all the nations will be blessed. And so begins our family tree outlined in Matthew chapter 1. And isn't it amazing, right from the very beginning... God is bringing out his salvation purposes through women. You see it. All through the Bible, he is rescuing his people and making, making a way through some of the most vulnerable in society. And we're going to look at some of the, some of the women that God brings um, his plan through. Because there are five of them mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. And you know it's very unusual to actually mention women in genealogies in the Jewish tradition. Because it's about the line passing down from male and to male, but there are five women mentioned. We're not gonna go into detail on all of them today because we'll be here all week because I have a lot to say. (laughs) I have a lot to say about the kick butt woman in the Bible and the things that they did and the things that they overcame, but you know what? We'll have to save that for part two in the new year. Can I come back and share on that, Pastor Ben? Yeah. (laughs) So in order for this family tree that God promised to Abraham, some things had to take place. And as you know, when humans are involved, it looks like usually the plans might go off track and things might get messed up and things might get a little bit unsavory because we have a way of looking at life from our own perspective instead of God's perspective and through his plans. And this is often reflected in the stories of these women. The first one mentioned is in the genealogy is Tamar, and you can find her story in Genesis chapter 38. What happens with her is that she is widowed, and um, when she is widowed, she doesn't have any children. And in this culture, they have a tradition set up that, when we look back on, we think it's pretty nasty, but it actually had a purpose. And uh, so the tradition was, if a woman, if a husband died before um, having children with his wife, the next brother would marry her and act as a surrogate so that she could have an heir. Now, one of the reasons behind this was that it's actually a protection for that, for that woman so that um, she still stays in the inheritance, and she has children that will, when they grow up, take care of her in her old age. Um, however, um, when her husband died, um, she married the next brother, and he, he didn't do what he was supposed to do. I'm not going to go into all the details. Let's just say that he shirked his duty. <laughs> if you want to read all the gory details, you can turn to Genesis chapter 38. Um, but he did not do what he was supposed to do. Um, and God saw that, that he didn't do right by Tamar, And God smote him. He did. Okay? That's done. So she had to marry another. He did the same thing. He shirked his duty. And God smote him. You think they would have learned their lesson by watching? Anybody else have older siblings, and you watch what they did and then did the opposite? Because you're like, that didn't turn out so well for you, so I'm not going to do that. Well, these guys didn't seem to get the clue. And so Jesus, uh, God smote them. Now, Tamar's father-in-law was Judah. Judah is one of the older brothers of Joseph. Do you remember that story? Joseph, whose brothers sold him into slavery into Egypt. So this is not a really good functional family situation going on here, right? And so Tamar, she sort of left hanging, and Judah was not doing right by her to ensure that she she was able to get an heir. And so, now I wouldn't recommend this method, two to people, um, but this is how the story unfolded. So she knew that her father-in-law was going on a trip somewhere. She disguised herself. He thought she was a prostitute. He slept with her. And she got pregnant with twins. Now, he, she had disguised herself. So when he found out that she was pregnant, he was like, shame on you. How dare you? We're going to stone you. And then she's like, aha, I have the rod that you used to pay for the services. And he's like, oh no. Now, <laughs> He's caught. He's caught in the act. And, uh, you know, he could have denied. He could have killed her. He could have done all sorts of things. He could have um, taken his revenge out on her. But you know what he said? He declared her more righteous than I. Because she did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And... uh, none of them had. And so he said, you are more righteous than I. And Tamar's actions helped Judah's family thrive after the death of his other sons. And, um, and when you read the whole story through to the end of the Joseph story, the whole family is reconciled, and um, a great nation is born. And I think it is so incredible that in the midst of that was a woman who had very little choice left to her, and she was defenseless. And, but she said yes to God's plans, and she stuck to her guns, and she said, I'm going to take what God promised me, and he brought that out to good. Can we say God is good? God is good. God is so good. And it says, the prophet Zechariah says in Zechariah 10.4, from Judah will come the cornerstone. From Judah, that family line, will come the cornerstone, which we know is Jesus. The next woman mentioned in Jesus' genealogy is Rahab. Now, Rahab can be found in Joshua chapters 2 and 6. Now, the people of Israel, they've left Egypt. They're going towards a promised land. Jericho's in front of them. Rahab lives in Jericho, and she is what you might call a social outcast. She is a foreigner. She is a woman, and she is a prostitute. And you know when She had the courage to risk her own life to take care of God's people and hide them when they needed to be hid. And her actions were so great that in Hebrews 11, which is the the heroes of the faith chapter, if you will, she is listed in there. Um, this woman who was a social outcast, God says, look at her faith. Look at her faith, because she believed in the God of Israel. And, and she said, this God will protect me, and I'm going to say yes to his plans. And she became adopted into that nation. She marries, and she gives birth to a man named Boaz. Now, do you guys remember Boaz? He married a lovely lady named Ruth, who got her whole own book to the Bible to herself. The whole story of Ruth was given to, in there. And, um, you know, in Ruth... This lady, she's also mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus, and they call her basically a woman of valor. She also was vulnerable and had to fend for her own way, but she held on to the promises of God, and he sent her a kinsman redeemer. Such a beautiful story. And Boaz and Ruth got married. Do you know where they got married? They got married in Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 says, but you Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Isn't that amazing? Is God good? God is good. Now you look at this, people are saying yes to God and as they say yes, all these pieces are moving into place for the greatest story. I'm so excited, my throat's closing up. (laughs) So they got married in Bethlehem. And later, later in the in the Old Testament, um, the prophet Isaiah he, pro, he he prophesied that there was going to be a forerunner to Jesus, preparing the way. And this forerunner's story can be found in Luke chapter one. It's with Mary's cousin Elizabeth. Here is another barren woman, and her and her husband Zachariah served God faithfully. But an angel visited Zachariah and said, "Your wife is going to bear a son." And he said, "No way, no way." And uh, God said, that's enough out of you, and made him mute. He couldn't speak anymore. And uh, his wife, Elizabeth, was left to do all the praising God and, and, and all that. It was actually quite funny in the story, if you read it. He comes out of the temple after this visit by the angel, and he's trying to tell people what happened, and he can't speak, and he's just waving his arms around, and people are like, what's going on? But he, his lips were sealed, and his lips were not unsealed until... Um, Elizabeth gave birth, and they named the baby John. And then Zechariah prophesies, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David. Isn't it so incredible that God's plan keeps being unveiled and unfurled through all these people saying yes. His plan always comes out. And usually it takes great courage and great risk and Sometimes things against the facts of the day, God's plan makes his way. And do you know why? Do you know why? Because all of this, all of this big eternal plan was because his love for us is so great. This is the miracle of the story. This is the miracle of the virgin birth that God looked at us and sent his son so that we wouldn't have to be apart from him anymore. He sent his son, and he caused eternity to invade into time. His miracle is so great. Isn't it beautiful that when we were separated from him because we chose a life without him, he's saying, now I have made a way. I have made a way for us to be together again, and now the choice is in our hands again. Our choice to say yes to God. John 3.17 says that he actually didn't come to the world to condemn it, do you know that God doesn't want to send you to hell? That's good news. God is good. Amen? God is good. He actually doesn't want to send you to hell. He wants you to choose to be with him. He made the way for that. He made a way that all would be saved. This is the depth of his love. That the way that he made for us is Jesus. This great miraculous birth of this helpless little baby. God came to us, God with us, and now we have the choice. God loved us, now the ball is in our court. Who would say no to a love like this? Who would say no? He orchestrated this whole plan from the beginning so that we could be with him. He doesn't want to be with us. I would ask. And do you know that it grieves him when we choose not to be with him? It grieves him. Do you remember what that feels like when you love someone and they chose someone else or something over you? The pain it causes in your heart. He is so jealous for our affections. He's so jealous for us. His love is so great. And we get to say yes to this love. What a story. We get to join with him and bringing his presence and his goodness and his light into this world. So many times we might think ourselves insignificant. Or you know what? We might look at our lives and say, it's a barren wasteland. And do you know that if you've said yes to God, that the same spirit that conceived life inside Mary is living inside of you? He sent his spirit to us, and this spirit is always producing life. And when you've said yes to his love, your life will never be barren. Your life will be barren. Is God good? God is good. Your life will never be barren. You might not have standing in society. Your plans might not have gone the way you thought they should. You might have heard a promise from God and haven't yet seen it come to fruition. But do you know what the angel proclaimed to Mary? No word from God will ever fail. Amen? No word from God will ever fail. Put it another way. Nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is impossible for him. All we have to do is say yes. And did you know that when you have said yes, your old life is now gone and a new life has begun. A new life has begun. And you might be here today and you might, you might have heard the story of little baby Jesus in a manger and not connected it with the idea that this great God loves you so much that he sent his son for you. And it's not some big complicated formula. All you have to do is say yes, yes. And you know, God is pretty persistent. He'll keep chasing you down. He wants to be with you. He's kind of stalkery that way. (laughs) He's not going to give up on you. (laughs) He's not going to give up on you because he loves you too much. He loves you too much. And he made this way for you to be together. You might be wondering, what's my life's purpose? Your life purpose is to be with God. He saved us so that we can be one with him. And did you know that the story has already been written, and the story is already over, and there is a wedding feast being laid out in heaven for us, and our groom is waiting for his bride? (laughs) This would be reason to be excited. When we look at the Christmas story, we have to keep the end in mind, right? Jesus came to make a way for us to be united with him, (laughs) For eternity, not just for this moment, but forever, forever. God is so good. His goodness knows no end. And you know, when we were singing, you can have it all, Lord. Take this heart, you know, it's a response to him because he's already said to us, you can have it all. You can have it all. You have access to his whole kingdom. You are a part of his family. You have received the inheritance This is good news, church. And I think when we keep saying and reminding ourselves, God is good, we need to remember and start acting like the church that knows that we have authority and we have power and we have the kingdom of heaven right here, right now. Amen? Amen. When we talk about him releasing his spirit as a tidal wave over us, do you know your only response needs to be is yes, God. Yes. Yes. And when we say yes, his spirit works inside of us, producing fruit. And our minds begin to change. Our behavior begins to change. Not because he's sitting up there in heaven saying, you better behave yourselves. and I'm going to smote you like Tamar's family. <laughs> There's no more smoting. <laughs> There's no more smoting going on. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He just wants you to come as you are. <laughs> Come as you are. Say yes to his incredible love and your life will produce goodness, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, love. Does anybody want some of that for Christmas? I want some of that for Christmas. The gift of his spirit. God with us. Don't forget, this is the miracle of Christmas that God is with us. Amen? God is good. Let's pray. Oh, you know what? I wanted to read One last word from Isaiah to you. Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Amen? A light has dawned. It goes forward and says, For unto us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen? The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. And we go back to the beginning. Back to the beginning where he invites us to walk with him. Walk with the spirit where we can be naked and unashamed. Because there is no condemnation for those that love him. We can walk with him again. He is made that way. God is so good. God is good. Lord God, words cannot contain how, how much in awe we are of your goodness and your love towards us, that even before we were formed in our mother's womb, you had a plan <laughs> and you made a way for your son to come and restore relationship between us and you. Lord God, I pray today that everyone here in their spirit would hear your voice calling them would hear your love being sang over to them would hear the miracle of the story and and say yes to your miracle today lord god let us be a church full of people who walk courageously and say yes to your plans we pray all this in your name amen